Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mercer's Energizing the Employee Experience podcast. Here at Mercer, we're the global consulting leader across talent, health, retirement, investments, and of course, employee benefits. For more details, please visit us at uk.mercer.com. In this podcast series, we're going to be exploring the future of work, the latest trends, and of course, all the big topics in HR. I'm your host, Jack Curzon, Consultant Director here at Mercer, and each week I'm going to be joined by colleagues of, of mine from Mercer and wider um, who are going to share all their ideas, their experience, and their insights. Today we're talking about ESG, or Environmental Social Governance, and I'm really, really happy to be joined by my two colleagues, Yvonne and David. So we'll do introductions first and then get straight into it. So Yvonne, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've come from. Thanks, Jack. It's great to be here. My name's Yvonne Sonsino. I've worked at Mercer twice. And in between that, I spent six years out in HR roles. And um, I specialize in uh, macro trends, I suppose, thinking of things like longevity, DEI. So this is a great topic to, to talk to about today. Super. Welcome. And David, tell us about yourself. Uh, yes. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm David Ruford. I've been in Mercer nearly 23 years. And prior to that, I had a dozen years in uh, internal HR roles. Pr- primarily and originally, I'm a reward guy. So comp and Ben uh, and broader policy. Uh, and I've done a lot of that consulting in Mercer. Uh, more recently, looking really at the employee experience and really interested by some of the peripheral aspects that go on in organisations. So historically, that's been looking at things like flexibility in all of its forms, uh, quite a lot around uh, how organisations support working parents. Um, I think that's really interesting. Uh, and then more recently, looking at sustainability or ESG as a framing concept, really, around the employee experience. Super. Welcome, both of you. Thanks so much for coming on. So let's get straight into the nitty gritty, right? And ESG is a typical acronym of the HR and benefits world. Let's take a massive topic and condense it into, you know, a fairly vanilla acronym. I used to know this topic a bit more broadly by CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. Now it's more environmental social governance. Lots of people think immediately about the green side of things. But could you both give us uh, your take on actually what is ESG? What's it all about? and What does it mean? If we start first, um, Yvonne, that'd be great. Okay, so I suppose in a nutshell, the E, we we do all know it's the environmental piece. So the impact on businesses is looking around sustainability, building the right brand. Um, I think the impact on the people from the uh, environmental side is is generally positive so your own employees I mean by people people prefer to work for companies like this keep the most conscientious employees and attract more the s in this context is probably the most relevant one to the audience today the, the social implications and we translate that really into societal and labor relations so the impact again to businesses is boosting relationships and reputation doing the right thing and the impact on your employees and people is very positive. They've, they've a right to feel safe, protected, fairly treated. It means we sustain good standards of living for employees and families through all life stages, and that pays back to the economy. And the G is the governance piece. So think controls and compliance here. And the impact for the business to monitor and demonstrate proactivity, 
keep the organization on the right side of the law and the impact for people is is really building trust and confidence able to do their best work and setting standards and benchmarks uh, so I would agree with all that. Um, I, I quite liked the term uh, CSR. I think corporate social responsibility is a nice framing concept. And I think that's how you can look at it still relative to ESG. I think most organizations will see, say that CSR is sort of more philosophical in its approach. Uh, what ESG does in terms of the way that Yvonne has uh, defined it sort of brings you uh, a sharper basis for thinking about measuring it. Um, Equally, I quite like the term sustainability. The only issue is that sustainability has a much broader uh, uh, kind of interpretation or definition around it, that it just means that what we're doing is ensuring that the things that are here today are here tomorrow, and it can be misinterpreted um, in the context of doing the things that sit within within ESG. Um, So yes, environmental. Um, I think what we see, you know, as HR consultants, I guess what we're trying to do is understand or interpret how these things affect employment models uh, and the way that people see the organisation that they work for. Um, so people are very concerned about environmental issues and they will prefer to work for organisations that, that uh, are concerned about the environment. And that is use of water. That is the production of plastics. Um, and it's absolutely about uh, CO2 emissions and other sorts of pollutants. Um, I I see that the S as having a big S and a little S, Um, and that's really the big S is how does the organisation do good things to the communities around it? And those are either, uh, you know, societies around their premises or or very strongly how organisations are doing the right thing uh, to their supply chains, which often go very deep into more emerging markets and make sure that what we're not doing Uh, is um, exploiting those markets in a way that they shouldn't be exploited. Um, And then I think there's little s, which is is about looking internally. Uh, So we we know that uh, people like to work for organisations that do the right thing. Um, They also want to be engaged in that process. Um, And then we also know that uh, employees are concerned uh, about the way that they are treated. So little s is sort of the internal population, if you like, rather than the outside populations that the organization touches. And we would call that responsible employment, maybe as a broader category. Uh, and there's lots of areas I'm sure we will come on to in the way that organizations need to think about doing the right things to their workforce. Thanks, yeah. And I've certainly seen a huge rise in the other areas, you know, since it's come up on the agenda. It's not just about the green initiatives anymore. You've both mentioned the social aspect and the community aspect. That's often forgotten about, I think, because it's about bringing people together and how you can interact with people as well, as well as potentially reducing plastic, which is an obvious one, right? Um, But I, I hate to use the C word, but obviously before COVID, this type of topic I saw was always on an agenda but it was relatively loose. Um, And there's lots of things that's happened in the world in the past two years that's meant organisations, I think, trying to be more transparent and ethical and demonstrating it's not just about what we say, it's what we do as well. But what are your interactions like with corporations and how are you seeing this topic come, come up on agendas? How high is it? Is it really important or is it like a hygiene factor? I think it's getting more important. And you're right, Jack, the, the C word has meant that 
Well, what we've seen is hugely increased inequalities and they're, they're so stark now, people are really starting to recognize those and respond to them. So a lot of the clients I'm working with, they, they definitely recognize the elements, um, the, the HR community particularly recognize the S elements in what they need to do. And it combines very closely with the, the diversity, equity and inclusion agenda as well. So I'm doing a a lot of work in this area at the moment, looking at all sorts of aspects of, of the HR and, and people's strategy. I think what we're also seeing is companies now putting real resource into this. So ESG, DEI, flexible working, these are all things that didn't really have a home, if you like, in, in the corporate world. I spent six years out in HR roles Nobody owned flexible working back then. Nobody owned living wage and social agenda. Nobody owned pay equity to, to a certain extent. But now companies are having to find resource that concentrate on these things, partly because of increased regulation, partly because of increased shareholder and stakeholder pressures. And they're building teams that really now pick up on the ESG agenda and often link it with the DEI agenda. There's still some work to do, but I'm seeing more and more activity, interest, heightened um, awareness, concern over these issues. Uh, again, I would agree with, with all of that. Um, so what, uh, what I tend to see with the clients is that what we've had up to now is some very programmatic buying. Uh, buying. So what Yvonne has mentioned is things like uh, you know, living wage analysis, which we do, or uh, it might be something around well-being, we'll tend to find that we've got uh, uh, single point consultants in, in teams that are selling to single point buyers in, uh, in those organisations. Um, but what's happened more recently, and whether it's COVID related or whatever, well, I mean, we saw it rising pre-COVID, but I think it accelerated through COVID. There's a massive uh, accelerated interest in doing, in doing the right thing. Um, and as a result, what we're seeing is uh, an increase in the uh, the number of job holders who have sustainability or heads of sustainability head of sustainability within their uh, within their title, um, and what we are now doing is ensuring that we are joined up to make sure that when we are approached around sustainability and how that affects um, uh, you know the the, serv the 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 services or the benefits or the programs that are offered to employees, but also questions around the way that organisations are organised themselves around uh, sustainable priorities. We need to be joined up just as our clients are joined up around those things. So when a head of sustainability comes to us with the responsible employment hat on, uh, we need to make sure that when we are responding, we are joining up all of our solutions. Um, and as Yvonne says, they typically haven't been up to now. Um, but we need to think about what sustainability or ESG means to the whole proposition that's offered to employees. And that is uh, in the areas of compensation, benefits, careers, uh, well-being and also the sense of purpose um, that uh, companies want to frame uh, around that proposition. And then, so the other bit I think is really important because what they are also, the heads of sustainability are coming to us and asking is actually how do we become a sustainable organisation when we know that we need to engage our employees in that process? So this isn't about offering responsible frameworks for our employment, uh, but actually how do we engage our employees in that process? Um, and I think what we're seeing is some emergence of solutions there. Um, so typically what we find is organisations have fairly loosely defined objectives in terms of 
what it is that they want the organization to achieve using ESG as the, uh, as the framing concept. So how much CO2 are we going to uh, not release this year? How much electricity are we going to save? How much less polluting are we going to do? Um, but I'm not sure there is a great deal of clarity around the way those targets are set. And we know that then goals get distributed amongst leadership teams and they may be incentivized uh, to achieve those things. And mostly those incentives are of a short-term nature when we know that ESG goals should be somewhat long-term uh, in their expectation. And that's why I think you know, we see it factored into short-term and to some extent long-term incentives. But then we don't really know what happens. You know, if you want to achieve those goals, you need to ensure that those responsibilities are cascaded into the right parts of the organization in the right sort of way. Um, and that is about saying, well, if it's about reducing plastic in packaging, then we need to go to the manufacturing part of our business and ensure that that happens um, and so on. Um, or we might set up some sort of leadership structure and department that looks, like, looks at sustainability as we have done around health and safety or quality or whatever it is. Or do we actually cascade responsibilities more broadly into the organization through a committee structure and, and other ways that we can start to ensure that all employees start to feel they've got a responsibility and, abil and an ability to uh, help the organization achieve those things. Um, and unless you get to that level where you've got conversations going on between line managers and their employees about the sort of goals and objectives that are expected of them, and you start to undo some of the legacy incentive arrangements, which are typically oriented around achieving you know, commercial uh, objectives for the organization and until you start thinking about how you engage employees and free them up to do the right thing, not just to pursue commercial objectives, then uh, it won't happen. And I think it's not happening enough at the moment and we need to make sure that we are in a position to be able to help companies think about how you build a culture of sustainability. Yeah, thank you. I think that cultural piece is really important. And just listening to you talk there, I think it's obviously a big topic, right? But people do want guidance, but I also feel like people want this exhaustive list of these are all the areas we should be tackling. And I don't think that's what ESG is about. You know, there could be many different things for different organizations that they've got to address. But I also think there's three quite interesting areas to this. There's the like the employee focus side that you mentioned about policies and terms and conditions and flexible working and also how a company is treating their employees. There's the employee side of what they're doing at home as well, you know, personally for potentially, you know, specifically for the environment. There's also the, the corporate view of, of how they're running their business for their people, you know, how, how are they um, getting energy, how are they treating different things in the office environment and then externally, David, you mentioned manufacturing, even if it's a, a you know, a service provider or, or something more office based, you know, how, how are they externally presenting their services? And is that ethical? And is it done the best way possible? But what I wanted to potentially just run through is, is there any other areas of ESG that we might not have covered here? Because we've, we've spoken about a few big topics, we don't need to go into all of them in great detail. But what other areas potentially are there? that we might not have spoken about? I suppose where I'd come in on that is, for this audience particularly, is how do we break it down into some simple, clear, tangible, practical elements that we can do in HR, in our roles, to, to make this actually work? And we've got a number of tools for that. There's a really good sustainability index and diagnostic. Maybe David will talk a little bit more about that. 
I built a, a mini framework that helped me put ESG into context for people. And I broke that down into pay and rewards as one bracket, um, financial protection and pensions as another bucket, health and well-being support. Um, then there's the employment and operating model. There's what we do about learning and skills development. And then there's what we do about community. And we, we haven't got time to go into all of those today, but you can segment them then into the various E, S and G actions that you can take. So for example, pay and rewards, David's talked about linking incentives to, to ESG KPIs, for example. That we know that really does drive and change behavior. There's little focus yet for broader employee base. At, at the social level, I think on pay and rewards, observing living wage principles, making sure pay is fair across all employee groups and, and markets. And then from the governance angle, just looking to make sure things are regularly reviewed and that pay equity compliance takes place and that shareholders have approved them. And even vendor selection should be ESG compliant. Um, there's, there's a lot more we could go into here. One, one client recently asked me, the pensions team, actually, the retirement team, they said, everyone in our organization is doing something on ESG. What, what can we do? What projects can we actually get stuck into to make this stick in our own organization? So we went through a whole host of different things they could do. Things like pension gaps, the gender pension gap in on average 26% across the OECD countries and 50% in Japan. What, what's fair and socially equitable about that? That is not playing to the ESG agenda. Um, so there's all this adequacy testing that you can do around pensions. There's working towards flexible retirement, for example, to give people a longer opportunity to build funds and a longer transition into um, just funding their life on, on um, out of income, pension income. There's financial wellness interventions, the investment strategy and how that works and fits with ESG communications and how they work and then just looking at the supply chain as well and vendor selection so I suppose I'd break it down into some of those very practical buckets and segment across the E the S and the G columns to really really think um, long and hard about what we can do on a daily basis to to put it in context. So uh, I'll take, uh, agree with all that again. So the other thing I, I would add is that you know organisations are are now getting better at reporting what their uh, sustainability or ESG achievements are. So you'll find on many many sites that they'll have a, a sustainability report or something similar. Um, we've done a review of fifty or so of those, uh, and what we're trying to do is get a perspective on what it is that organisations think is important in terms of achievement against those objectives. And at the moment, I think what we're finding is that they are not trying to do all things. I think, you know, different organisations, because of what they do, will be able to focus on some specific things. And then there are some generic themes, I think, which kind of cross across all of those uh, those reports. And those generic things are really about um, employee well-being, uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, those are the sort of the key headings. Um, and then there's all these sort of company specific things that they can achieve because they've got deep supply chains or because they manufacture or whatever it is. Um, and I think there's, there's, uh, there's probably a message there about not, not trying to overdo it, but do try and focus on the things where you can genuinely make a difference. 
um, because I think if you uh, if you uh, call things out as areas where you are um, you're proud of your achievements, there will be naysayers who may well pick you up on um, on some of those things. If, if you say you're doing if you're kind of covering too many bases, I think you you may not actually achieve any of them at the end of the day. Um, there's something about the journey nature of this as well. You know, there are organisations perhaps who historically have come from you know, less sustainable origins. Uh, you know, there are certain sectors or certain trades um, which uh, have been a bit dirty in relation to uh, sustainability. Uh, and for them, they've got, um, uh, you know, a starting point that's further away. And I would judge organisations based on the journey, not necessarily their legacies. Um, so we need to think a little bit about that and maybe some tolerance around the sort of measures that, org that organisations are making to change. And it does take a long time for large organisations to do that. Um, there's a really big area, um, <clears throat> and it's one of area, uh, Mercer's strengths, which we haven't really talked about. And it's one of those areas where actually, you know, you can make a fantastic difference to all of these things, which is, you know, by rethinking how you invest. You know, Mercer has an investment group that looks at um, uh, responsible and sustainable investments and helps organisations think about whether, you know, those um, those investments are placed in the uh, in in the uh, in the right sort of um, uh, equities or funds. Um, and I think there's a there's a lot to be said for thinking uh, about the way organisations might rethink those investments. And at the moment, I think the mantra is that actually, if you look across uh, COVID, you know, organisations that have a, a, a higher set of sustainability credentials performed as well or better than those organisations that don't. There's a sense that sustainable organisations have more sustainability to them, i.e. they will be around tomorrow or be more likely to be around tomorrow. Uh, than organisations that were less sustainable. And then to Yvonne's other point, yes, we are, uh, we have uh, developed a sustainability index. So we think there, there is an opportunity for organisations to benchmark themselves or at least have a degree of analysis that they can draw on, which says how sustainable are they, both from the point of view of whether they've uh, oriented and structured themselves or transformed around sustainability, but also the extent to which they are doing responsible things uh, to, to their employees. Uh, and we have a series of diagnostic tools that we can draw on to do that now. Yeah, and I think it's important to do that benchmarking. And uh, now is as good a time as any, given COP26 and the fact it's in everybody's minds, it's such a hot topic, because from that benchmark, you can then draw your future aspirations and vision and set out a clear roadmap to get there. It, it is a journey. It is absolutely a journey. The, this can't be done overnight. The whole culture change piece is a is a long process, probably one of the longest processes that you can imagine in HR, <laughs> setting aside some of the IT transformational exercises that, um, that we can get involved in. But companies, employees, the world at large need to see that you have that roadmap. I think that's what's important. You can't get there on day one, but having the roadmap is as good as it can get for now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing comments. So many things spring to mind for me. Like the first thing, I thought about it. you both mentioned like DEI as a topic as well. Yeah. I feel like it's being treated separately though. I feel like we've got a huge DEI agenda, a huge ESG agenda, but they should never meet and they can't be spoken about in the same way and put together. And I think organizations need to do a lot more to bring them together. You can't move in the right direction as a business if you're treating these things separately. Yeah. Also, Yvonne, from a, a COP26 perspective, 
I think it's fascinating. You know, at time of recording this, it's the COP26 conference is going on, and there's been a lot of news and a lot of heat around how how the politicians getting there. You know, they're going to an environmental conference, but they're going by a private jet and all this stuff. I'm not going to get into that at all. But what it reminds me of is there's always going to be issues like that within companies. There's always going to be certain ethical problems. And I don't think it's always about being the best or solving all the problems overnight. It's about taking steps to be better and do better and make improvements because some of those things you can't avoid. Yes, it's great that you can do things like offsetting, um, but I'm going to put it out there. I'm not a great fan of things like offsetting. And, And the reason I say that is because immediately it doesn't solve the problem. You know, I could be having a tire fire in the garden, but if I'm doing some offsetting, then I'm fine. But actually we need to stop the tire fire, right? Um, so th- there's different solutions. I appreciate that. But I think bringing the topics together is massive and also making small steps to do things better rather than trying to solve everything overnight is key as well. Um, so I wanted to ask one final question, or it's, a, it's two rolled into one really. And that's, I know companies are doing a lot of these different initiatives already, but is there an opportunity to communicate or potentially package it a little bit differently so people can understand it? And also, what are you actually seeing companies do predominantly in this space at the moment, both from you know your perspective as experts of working with clients, but also what they're potentially delivering um, as output? Gosh, lots. David, do you want to take a start on that one? Uh, I think the, the packaging thing is interesting, and that that sort of reflects um, what we were saying earlier that um, that uh, organisations are thinking less uh, programmatically about this uh, and using ESG or sustainability as a more elevated and framing concept. Um, your your observation about DEI and sustainability again is interesting. I we we sort of see them as very closely linked. You know the the sustainable elements of responsible employment very much take into account the efforts and work uh, and programs that organizations are putting in DE&I. And it sort of cuts across all of the elements of the proposition. So there's something uh, about DE&I that relates to, uh, to all compensation, to the way that careers are managed, to the way that flexibility supports people, to the way uh, that benefits are provided. Um, so the, the two are heavily, heavily interlinked. I don't think you can disconnect them. If, if anything, I would say sustainability or ESG is a broader concept, um, but I don't want in any way for that to suggest that DEI is a subsidiary concept. I think that's probably why we don't want to sort of uh, inextricably link them because it, it feels like the end result would be DEI being subsumed within something broader. And I think it's such a significant and important topic that it needs to stand out on its own. Yeah, I'd, I'd add to that, that um, it's very easy for all of us to simply take an ESG lens to every project we do now. Work will be undergoing. We'll, we'll always be doing work and projects in, in our business. You simply need to overlay the ESG lens onto it. The same with DEI. And if you take those two together, which which I do, I sort of use the the two, the two very much as linked these days. Um, I think it's impossible to separate them. You can also apply that DEI lens to everything you do, every single project. Um, there's there's new definitions emerging as well. If you think about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, two new letters that you can throw into that mix now are justice, J, and belonging, the B. And the, the justice piece, it's 
it's a real stretch for some companies to, to take that extra step. It requires an entire culture shift, um, but it's a really interesting concept to apply. And I think to, to achieve justice, social justice, governance justice, environmental justice in the workplace, um, it all makes, makes an awful lot of sense for the long term. But this is, this is hard stuff. In terms of things that are happening now that companies are doing, starting to build their teams, I think, starting to think about how KPIs get incorporated into, into incentive programs. We see quite a lot of that. I think also um, compliance with regulations such as pay equity regulation, that's a big, a big one for companies. In fact, achieving pay equity is one of the most surefire ways to achieving equity and fairness with, within a company. So pay equity is the biggest, biggest driver of fair outcomes there. Um, and there's a lot of work looking at investment strategy as well. I've been doing some work with the asset management industry recently. The Global Investment Forum in September were over 200 asset managers joined and this was a big topic for them we also included DEI in the agenda we had a whole afternoon on it David and I uh, both both ran that session so for, for them it's about starting that roadmap setting out that roadmap starting to build the resources and the teams and their awareness lots of employee listening going on as well digital focus groups um, provide amazing data on this that you can segment in multiple ways so you can really get the ear of the different groups and categories in your in, uh, in your employee um, so some of those things are are very active and very successful too and I'd like the point I would make is it's not just about relabeling things uh, as a sort of opportunistic way of uh, of you know of winning more work from our, our point of view. It is a key driver for organisations, and it does transcend everything we do. Um, the other one, I, what I was just thinking, the one that we haven't really covered is the nature of work um, and how important that is uh, both to people's well-being uh, as a device for social mobility. Um, and the importance, I think, that COVID identified is that some uh, employers, irrespective of any job retention scheme, sort of stood by uh, their workforce and said, you know, we will not make anyone redundant, you know, whilst we're going through this, uh, this phase. Um, and I think that kind of credibility will come back to those organisations in leaps and bounds, because what they're demonstrating is the fact that they consider their workforce to be part of their future. Uh, and that they will uh, necessarily adapt work, the workforce, they will reskill, they'll ensure that the people uh, will do as much as possible through their future workforce plans, have a role for them in the future. And they're not just there to hire and fire. And I think that for me is a very strong component of sustainability. It's the fact that we will stand by our employees for as long as they want to work for us uh, and we will continue to see a role for them. Yeah, and that goes through all life stages as well. Yeah. So I think as we see an increasingly aging population and a shrinking birth rate, that's putting real labour pressures on, on us all, particularly developed nations. And that point about having purposeful work for as long as we need it, these models around flexible working and flexible working into retirement are really one way of sustaining that. And it's an easy, it's an easy step to do for companies. Thank you so much. I, you know, at various points during 
this discussion, I've completely forgotten the fact that I'm meant to be hosting a podcast <laughs> episode. Uh, I've been so listening so intently to things that you've been saying because it, it really is a fascinating topic and one that I feel the word ESG is becoming a little bit like, you know, my favorite terminology about, you know, the word flex. It's overused. It means different yes. things to different people. It's already becoming a bit overused, but we're not getting under the skin of it enough. Hey, exactly. We've hardly scratched the surface. So. Yeah. And, and this conversation has been so helpful, but I also knew that we would run out of time very quickly with a discussion like this. Um, yeah. But obviously thank you both so much for all the, the comments and insight it's been really really interesting um everything you brought to the table has been been great and i know like you just said david we've scratched the service of on some of the things you, you mentioned on the other space you know around particularly hr processes is fascinating and potentially there's another episode just in that on its own because i think you know that's a topic that needs addressing as well um so thank you both so much um i hope to catch you on another episode sometime soon um, but it's been brilliant to discuss. You're very welcome. Thank yeah. you for asking. Thanks for having us. Listeners, please subscribe. Thanks very much for dialing into this episode. If you've got any questions, you can email us directly if you go to mercer.uk at mercer.com or you can also reach out for extra resources on our website at uk.mercer.com. Thanks very much. Bye.